There was once a boy who wanted to be Joseph in the Christmas pageant, but instead he was made the innkeeper, and he was irritated with the boy who got to be Joseph. So on the day of the pageant, when Joseph and Mary knocked at the imaginary door of the inn and asked for a room, the innkeeper surprised them by saying, Yes, indeedy, I'll give you the best room in the house. The boy who was Joseph was dumbfounded, but gathered himself to his full height, looked around at the imaginary inn and said, No wife of mine is staying in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, we're going to the stable. We laugh because we all know the stories, and this is the very day when such events took place. But some of the people who played key parts are lost to us in the mists of time, and one such is the innkeeper. We know very little about him or her. We do know that the inn was full, no doubt, because everyone had gone to be taxed. So the innkeeper was doing a good business and probably had a great deal to do that night, such as many of us do this season. The hospitality business in the first century was full of details as it is today. The innkeepers had to keep the rooms clean and warm. They had to gather firewood, chop for food, fix meals and clean up, manage the money and keep the accounts. We can understand the situation. It's a busy time for us as well. With putting up the tree, the lights, the decoration, cooking traditional treats, reading the house, sending cards, buying gifts, giving donations, visits with families and friends, balancing the budget, and making sure our other work gets done, work that pays the bills and puts food on the table. There's sometimes so much to do that we can miss the significance of the season. From the gospel stories, the innkeeper missed the miracle. Some, like the shepherds, saw the star and came running to see what God had done. And the wise ones who came from afar later also realized the significance of the birth. But the innkeeper did not come and see the baby in the manger. Odds are there was a room to be cleared or a fire to be built, or maybe a noisy guest disturbing others. Sometimes the innkeeper has been likened to Scrooge or the Grinch, but I don't think that's the case. I think the innkeeper was just too busy. There was no time to go out and see the brilliant star blazing overhead and hear the soft sounds of a newborn. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The innkeeper did not know that a child had been born on the same premises which had the power to change lives. And so the small duties obscured the great event, and life went on as if just another day had passed. What the innkeeper missed is that God had entered our world. God would not leave us alone, but chose to come among us. This tells us a great deal about God, that God is compassionate, 
and values our lives and situations. And it tells us that God is surprising because rather than coming as a great king or warrior to change the world, God came as a tiny baby born to poor parents in the midst of winter. God not only made us but came to live among us. So God knows us from the inside out, knows what it's like to be a human creature, to live in a body and have a mortal life with all its joys and trials and sorrows. Roman Gardino once wrote, I want no pallid humanitarianism. If Christ be not God, I want none of him. I will hack my way through existence alone. Sixteen centuries earlier, the Council of Nicaea had formulated the doctrine of the Incarnation with the declaration that Jesus Christ, eternally begotten of the Father, begotten not made, came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit, became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and was made human. Yet despite being one of the key concepts of the Christian faith, incarnational theology is debated in new age after age. Irenaeus, the church father and vigilant bishop of Lyon, said, Among the heretics is always wanting the sentence that the word of God has become flesh. Though Easter is officially the Christian queen of feasts, Christmas appears more dear to both the sacred and secular world, and not simply for commercial reasons. Why might that be so? In many parts of the world, Christmas is celebrated in winter, when perhaps we're more in need of a festival. Or maybe it's because it is a holiday celebrating a child. Or it could be because Christmas tells us that God came among us as vulnerable as the least of us. To receive God as a child is easier than to celebrate the risen Lord of Easter or anticipate God as our final judge. The Scottish theologian T.F. Torrance asks, what would become of this gospel if there were no oneness of being between Jesus Christ and the Father? If there were at the end no ultimate blending of the forgiving love of Jesus and the final judgments of God? What would it mean for mankind if in the last resort, in spite of all the gospels tell us about Jesus, there is no real bridge in being or nature between him and God? He concludes, it would surely mean that in the final analysis, Jesus Christ, with all he stands for, is irrelevant for the ultimate destiny of men and women, and that the really decisive issues belong to God alone and to a God whose love fell short of identifying with us. The doctrine of the Incarnation makes a powerful claim. It does not say that Jesus was a great man or a major prophet, an ethical ideal, or even the center of an archetypal story. What it claims is that God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. The poet Mary Oliver writes, And the speck of my heart in my shed of flesh and bone 
began to sing out the way the sun would sing if the sun could sing, if light had a mouth and a tongue, if the sky had a throat, if God wasn't just an idea, but shoulders and a spine. We believe that God had shoulders and a spine. The Creator became one of us, our kin, our kind, one who understands us. God not only made the earth, but chose to live and die on it as well. An old medieval hymn text begins, Behold, the great Creator makes himself a house of clay, a robe of human flesh he wears, he dons which he shall wear for air. And so, as you make your way home today, what will you remember from this time together? I hope you will remember that God's love for you is deeper and richer and more long-lasting than just the warm feelings of the season. The message for this day is that God shared our human nature and experienced firsthand what both human love was like and later what human destruction was like. But God in Jesus chose to stay with the love and teach a deeper kind of love, a deeper compassion. Christmas begins that story. I hope you celebrate Christmas knowing that you are learning lessons in loving. Even if you do not feel it, trust it is there. You're learning something deeper than what is apparent. You've taken the time this Christmas to come and worship the tiny baby. You've come to honor the child who was willing to suffer that others might learn to love. And now the story is becoming your story and our story. Because as the prophet Isaiah wrote, the Christ child is given to all of us and so is born in you in each and every one. So may it be. Merry Christmas. And amen.